welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of AMP's Simplifying Investing podcast series. I'm Adam Masters. It's great to have you here with us. Well, for the first time since November 2010, the Reserve Bank of Australia has raised its official cash rate. And as of Tuesday night, May 3rd, we're already starting to see banks respond to the rate change. So here to break it all down for us and assess the implications is AMP's Chief Economist, Dr. Shane Oliver. Now, before I hand over to Shane, a quick reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information provided is intended as a guide only. With that in mind, over to you, Shane. Thanks, Adam, and good day, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about interest rates. Well, what else, I guess, given the Reserve Bank raised interest rates? For the first time since 2010, it actually raised its official cash rate from 0.1%, which is close to zero, to 0.35%. A significant increase there, um, but interest rates, of course, are still at very low levels. This was a little bit above market expectations for a 0.15% hike, uh, but a bit close to our expectation for a 0.4% hike. Um, It seems as if the Reserve Bank bought the argument that just doing 0.15% just wasn't enough, so they did a little bit more. The Reserve Bank also announced that they would start to undertake quantitative tightening by allowing their bond portfolio to run down as bonds mature, and that combined with the reversal of cheap funding for the banks as the banks pay that money back, um, will see their balance sheet decline. In other words, a lot of the cash that got pumped in over the last couple of years will now start to come back out of the economy. So we're seeing monetary tightening on two fronts, higher interest rates and a reversal of quantitative easing. And of course, the Reserve Bank's commentary was notably hawkish, indicating it will do what is necessary to return inflation to target, and this will require further interest rate hikes. So we are on notice more rate hikes on the way. Of course, higher interest rates will be good news for those relying on income from their bank deposits, but of course will also impact um, those with a mortgage particularly. And of course, those with a mortgage are usually the ones that change their spending around more and are living a bit more on the edge. And obviously higher interest rates for mortgage holders will see their spending decline as um, they have to pay more to service their mortgage. So that's going to be a bit of a dampener for the economy. So why the rate hike anyway? This is obviously a big change from what the Reserve Bank's been telling us, where they've been saying that uh, until only six months ago, the first rate hike was unlikely until 2024. Then they were saying, well, maybe in 2023, but they certainly ruled out 2022. Earlier this year, they said a 2022 hike was plausible. And even more recently, they were saying they're still waiting for some wages data. And of course, we haven't yet got that wages data, but they've hiked. What's changed is that the jobs market has been a lot stronger. Unemployment's fallen to 4% and inflation has been a lot higher, rising to 5.1% in the March quarter. And the Reserve Bank, I guess, basically has lost patience, realised that this situation was untenable and started to move. Consistent with this, they revised down their unemployment rate forecast. They now see 3.5% unemployment from the end of this year or the start of next year. And they've also substantially increased their inflation forecast. They now see it rising to 6% this year from a previous forecast of just 3.25%. So big changes there. They've also become a lot more upbeat on their outlook for wages, uh, referring in particular to their liaison with businesses and various business surveys pointing to much larger wage increases now occurring. So 
I guess the good news is that inflation in Australia is at 5.1%, which is high, but it's lower than in many other countries, such as the US, 8.5%, and in Europe, UK, Canada, New Zealand, where it's around 7%. That's good, but the problem is that our inflation rate has been rising rapidly and seemingly catching up to these other countries. So the Reserve Bank had to move. But surely you may ask, well, won't hiking rates just add to the cost of living? So how's that going to help anybody? Well, it's true. It will add to the cost of living for those with a mortgage and 38% of Australian households have a mortgage. But tightening monetary policy is one of the best ways of slowing down demand in the economy relative to supply and therefore taking pressure off inflation. In fact, it's one of the few reliable levers we actually have to get money or monetary growth and inflation under control. You may recall the well-known economist in the 1970s, Milton Friedman, saying that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. Well, maybe that's an overly simplistic view, but we did have very easy monetary policy. Uh, inflation has now picked up partly in response to that or been made possible by that, and now it's time to tighten monetary policy. But then you might think, well, much of the surge in inflation owes to pandemic distortions to global supply, the impact from the war in Ukraine, the floods and so on. So it's on the supply side. The Reserve Bank can't do much about that. True, but part of the increase in inflation is demand related. Very strong jobs market in Australia. That's also putting upwards pressure on costs for businesses. And so it's not just supply, it's also demand. But it's all about slowing down the rate of growth in demand relative to the supply to hopefully get inflation back under control. I think the Reserve Bank had no choice but to move. Having a near zero cash rate when unemployment is 4% and inflation is 5% is simply unsustainable. Secondly, the experience from the 1970s tells us the longer high inflation persists, the more inflation expectations will rise, making it even harder to get inflation back down. And the Reserve Bank is now starting to refer to inflation psychology and the need to control that um, in its uh, post-meeting statement. Thirdly, the environment we're facing globally and in Australia is now less, was now more inflationary than it has been for many years. We're seeing bigger government. We're seeing a long period. We have seen a long period of ultra easy monetary policy, big budget deficits. We've seen the reversal of globalisation, and we've seen the demographic decline in the share of workers in the economy relative to consumers as baby boomers retire. All those things suggest that we are transitioning from the low inflation world of the last 30 or 40 years to structurally higher inflation. Finally, if the Reserve Bank waited till after the election, they would have been accused of being influenced politically, which could have, would have called into question their independence and further dented their credibility. So I think they had no choice but to move, which of course they have done. So how far will interest rates rise? I reckon we've probably got a fair way to go but maybe not as much as some people fear. I reckon the June meeting will see another hike, probably 0.25%, but it could be up to 0.4% if the Reserve Bank uh, wants to, to make a bit of a show of it, like other central banks have done, um, to put more downwards pressure on inflation. But by the end of the year, we're probably looking at a cash rate of 1.5%, maybe 2% at the highest. And as we go through next year, we'll probably get to 2%, maybe 2.5% at the highest. So... Obviously, that's going to mean higher mortgage rates. You know, they're going to go up by at least 2%. I guess many worry that that's going to cause a huge collapse in the economy. I don't think it will. I think it will take money away from people's spending power, but I don't think it's going to cause a mass, mass uh, hit, uh, rise in defaults and forced sales of homes. Uh, for many households, this should be manageable. Um, 
when you go and borrow these days, you're assessed as to whether you can pay a higher interest rate above the rate that you're actually signing up for. The current uh, serviceability test is that you pay more uh, an interest rate of 3% more. So that's the way you are assessed on. And up until October, that was 2.5%. So most borrowers should be able to manage a 2% increase in mortgage rates without a significant increase in mortgage stress. There's also a reality that many households are ahead on their payments. So they will feel some pain. Um, more of their payment will now be devoted to interest payments as opposed to debt reduction. So that's a negative for them, but they should be able to continue paying it. But there's also another bunch who of course will see a bigger increase in their payments because they're only paying the bare minimum. But I guess the key point is that most households should be able to withstand a 2% rise in mortgage rates without running into massive debt servicing problems, but they will have something taken away from them and that will mean slower spending growth in the economy. Don't forget the Reserve Bank will only raise interest rates as far as necessary to cool inflation. It's not going to jack up interest rates on autopilot to some level that rates may have been in the past when inflation was this high. It will do a few hikes, then it will have a pause, see what's happening, and it will only raise rates to levels that it needs to to get demand to slow down. And I reckon around 2% will probably be enough. I'll bet it could be a little bit higher than that, but we're not going to go up to a cash rate of 5 or 6%, and we're certainly not going to see mortgage rates up around 9 or 10%. So what's the impact on the economy going to be? Yes, this will be a bit of a dampener. This year, economic growth in Australia will be around 4.5%. Next year, it's probably going to slow down to 2.5%, partly because of higher interest rates. But just bear in mind that since the mid-1990s, there have been four rate-tightening cycles in 1994, 1999-2000, 2002-2008, and 2009-2010, none of which caused a recession. So that's important to note. Yes, we will see slower growth, but... I think we're a long way from the tighter monetary policy or the tight monetary policy you need to actually bring on a recession. So what does it mean for the share market? Well, it's actually ambiguous for shares. On the one hand, higher interest rates place pressure on share market valuations. They become less attractive. On the other hand, early in the cycle, this impact can be offset by improving growth. The Reserve Bank is raising interest rates because the economy is stronger. Earnings are rising, profits are going up. So there's a bit of an offset early in the cycle. Historically, it's only when monetary policy becomes really, really tight that it's a major problem for share markets. So if you look at the period 2002 to 2008, interest rates rose through much of that period, but it was only towards the end that we ran into trouble because interest rates had gone up quite significantly. At present, we're early in the phase of interest rate hikes. I think we're a long way from being able to say that we've got tight monetary policy such that it's going to cause a recession and therefore cause a big plunge in the share market. The real issue perhaps to look at in relation to the share market is what the Fed does, and there the risks are somewhat higher. But the key point I'm trying to make here is that we're a long way from tight monetary policy in Australia um, contributing to a major bear market in the local share market, albeit you've got to keep an eye on what the Fed does as well and what global shares are doing. Just finally, on the property market, the pickup in interest rates will be a downer, and it has a more immediate impact there because a lot of properties, and we all know this, are bought on debt. Whereas when you buy shares, you don't normally buy them with a lot of debt. So there's a lot more gearing in the property market than there is in the share market. And obviously, as interest rates rise, it reduces the capacity to pay of homeowners. So therefore, if you're going to get a loan today, you're going to find that you can't borrow as much, given your level of income, as you could have borrowed, say, 12 months ago. Fixed rates have already gone up. Variable rates are now starting to go up. 
So that I think is all consistent with a slowdown in property prices, not because a lot of people are going to default on their loans, but simply because new borrowers won't have the same capacity to pay that borrowers did uh, say 12 months ago or even six months ago. So that's why we remain of the view that property prices will fall roughly 10 to 15% from around mid-year out to early 2024. Although I would point out that Sydney and Melbourne are already slowing down and the most recent numbers even had Hobart starting to uh, see declines. And I don't just mean slowing down, I'm talking about declines in prices here. So I hope that's been of interest. Obviously we are moving into uh, a new phase in the economic cycle with higher interest rates. Um, but if you look back through history, we can see that uh, markets and economies, the Australian economy, have navigated periods of higher interest rates in the past without necessarily running into major problems. So all the best until we meet again. Adios. Thank you. Dr. Shane Oliver there with his analysis of the RBA's latest rate hike. Now, to stay up to date on all of the latest from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing series more broadly, subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite streaming platform. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, a quick reminder, all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. That's why it's important that you seek out tailored financial advice that is relevant to your personal circumstances before making any important financial decisions.